Amen. Praise the Lord. Let's shout for the Lord for a minute. Hallelujah. We praise you. You are our hero, Jesus. You came and picked a war on our behalf. You've liberated us. You've delivered us. You're our champion. You're the one who is the cloud rider, and you came swooping in. And we love you, God. We love you so much. Amen? God is good. You know, uh, We've seen a lot of miracles all over the world, and, and Jesus is still the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen. And the good news is that he said, I go to be with my father, and the world will no longer see me, but they will see you. Amen. And the good news is that if you have Jesus in, in you, the world is in for a treat. They're in to be set free to be delivered, to be healed, to be saved. And uh, I just felt during worship that the Lord says, I want to release my cloak of vengeance on this church. And uh, so what's interesting is, you know, after uh, I, I grew up in ministry, my parents were missionaries and I was born into the ministry and of course had my own wonderful revelation of Jesus as my savior. But Throughout the years, you start seeing patterns. Uh, you see people coming, hoping that maybe if God decides to be in a good mood today, maybe he'll give me a little piece of healing. But then there's other people who come forward with such faith in what Jesus has done that it is no longer right for them to stay the same. And I have never seen a person who comes like that not healed, not delivered, and not saved. Come on. And, and, and I want to read a scripture to you. And as I read it, I want you to receive this cloak of vengeance. Jesus in, in Isaiah was prophesied over him that he would put on, he would put on the breastplate of righteousness, that he would grab and put on the cloak of vengeance. That word vengeance means I have a quarrel with you. I I have a little argument, not a little one, a big argument with the enemy. Come on. How many of you believe that the punishment for sin is death? Amen. And, and sickness is part of that. You see, in the Old Testament, many times people were punished for their sin, come on, with plagues, with diseases. But Jesus came to pay, come on, our guilt, to pay for our guilt and pay for our sins. And there is now no longer any punishment left to pay. You and I do not need to pay for our sins. Only one did it. And it was enough. Come on. And for us as children of God to walk around with sickness, it's the same as saying, I still need to be punished for sin. Come on. We got to put it back in Bible perspective. And so here Jesus, uh, in, in Luke chapter uh, 13, it says, Now on the same occasion, there were some present who reported to him, Jesus, about the Galileans uh, whose blood, well, Anyway, I'm just not going to read this. I'm going to paraphrase. It's way too long. I want to just cut it real short. Uh, Jesus is here, and he sees a woman in the crowd completely bend over. You've seen people like that, elderly people completely bend over. For 18 years, it says she suffered extremely. And he called her forward. But the problem was it was the Sabbath day. 
And so he heals her. She gets healed. She straightens up. She's completely free. And, and the religious leaders of that day start to uh, become angry with Jesus for healing her on the Sabbath day. And he goes into a par parable saying, well, if, if one of you on the Sabbath day, your animal falls into a pit, every one of you would go out and pull that animal out of the pit. And so this daughter of Abraham, this daughter of promise, come on, this daughter of the man who brought everybody, everybody under faith, righteousness through faith, is it right for her to continue to suffer? Right. Or is it right, is it just for her to be set free? And, and as, we, as we take on this, this attitude of, I have a, a, a bone to pick with you, devil. This is not right for a child of God who has been forgiven of all guilt to still be punished for guilt. Come on. It is not right for my body, come on, to have any more infirmity, nor anyone that I see that is bound and afflicted by the enemy to continue to do so. It is not right. The price was perfect. The price paid was complete. Come on. There's nothing left to pay. And he set her free. He loosed her. And how much more you who are children of God by the blood of Jesus, it is not right. Amen. I want us to put on that cloak of justice. It is not right that I'm continually bound by alcohol, that I'm continually bound by, by depression, that I'm continually bound by the works of the devil when Jesus has paid a price that was complete to set me free. And today I put on this cloak of vengeance, vengeance on the enemy. He was with me. Who wants to say, you know what? Vengeance on the enemy. Vengeance on the enemy. There's not a person that lives in Coeur d'Alene and surrounding cities that Jesus didn't pay the price for. Amen. He, he says all the sins of the whole world, he forgave them already. And it is not right that people continue to be bound. So instead of focusing on, ooh, is my faith big enough? Ooh, you know, you know do I have enough experience? What well, was the price big enough? And did he not pay it? Yeah, let's focus on that. Let's focus on the justice that's in Jesus. The vengeance, the cloak of vengeance that's in Jesus. That if he did it for me, he did it for everyone. And I'm not going because I have such enormous faith. I'm not going because I have an amazing gift. But I'm going to set the captives free because I have vengeance flowing through my veins. Amen. And the price was paid. In Jesus' name, I declare that this cloak of justice falls upon this church like a blanket to set the captives free not because God is in a good mood not because we're gifted but because the price was paid vengeance belongs to God and he's using us as weapons of war to destroy the works of the devil and I declare over you greater works in this season in Jesus name amen, amen. wow I felt the heat. I felt like I was sitting right there at a bonfire getting that heat. How many of you feel that? You ever been at a bonfire? Anyone? 
You live in Coeur d'Alene, you've never been at a bonfire, you need to repent. I can't even believe you didn't say amen there. That's just like rude. It's rude. You know, I, I see a couple back here, and I wasn't going to do any ministry before the word, but I, got, I saw you, and you're wearing a white shirt with a button up, your second row, your wife's wearing glasses, and you have a, yes, you too. Is this family next to you here? Just you two? Um, you know, I felt like when I looked at you that God was breathing into you afresh, like a new breath. I felt like God was just <sighs> breathing into you. And I, I first wondered if someone in your family needed breath, if someone had asthma or some kind of lung condition. But as I prayed more, as my wife was preaching, I just felt like there was a breath, new breath, new fresh breath coming to you, coming to your next level. And you're, you're trying to envision what your next season looks like. What, what is next for us? I'm ready for something new. I'm ready for something fresh. I don't want to be bored. And you, you're on the edge of this next this next thing, and, and I want you just to jump off in faith and believe that what you have in your heart is from what God, is from God and what he spoke to you, and that God is breathing into you this courage for this next level. Does this make sense to you? He's breathing into you the boldness. So will you stand to your feet for a second? I just want to reach my hands out to you. I just release to you the boldness for your next season, the boldness for this huge step that's in front of you because what you're dreaming of and what you're believing of and what you're asking for is really, you, you can't do it on your own breath. You can't do it on your own strength. You, you've, been, you've been taxed and now you're getting the energy. God is breathing into you. And it's, it's like you've been in an asthmatic attack where you've wanted to breathe, where you've wanted to breathe and you've tried, you tried, you tried to inhale and you know what to do. You have a mind that you study success and you study the things that are necessary and the steps that are necessary. I see you literally like someone who's just digesting success and just taking on these things, but you've been, and you've been, you've been gasping. Now take a deep breath today. God is healing that attack against you and he's releasing you into your season and you're gonna come out on the other end unscathed the Lord said you're going to walk out unscathed and many are going to come and sit at your feet go, how did you make it through? How did you overcome? How did you do this? And God's going to give you the words and you're going to be able to help them walk in their transformation and help them walk in their transition. I release this blessing on your life. I release the grace and the courage of God. I keep hearing that. Release to them boldness and courage. I'm re-breathing into them. They've walked into the Garden of Eden today and I'm breathing into them and they're going to have fellowship with me, says the Lord. Does that make sense to you? Fun. All right, so I can, I can probably preach now. I have more stuff if we get to it. I do want to eat today. I know that doesn't sound spiritual, but it doesn't have to be spiritual. We have some things in the back. I have free, a couple of free magazines that we, we produce. This magazine is called Emerge. And um, it's a Citadel Church magazine. What we do is we produce this magazine so that we put it in the hands of our people. And we ask them to do a, a magazine route, a paper route in their community. And they drop it off to these homes every time we produce it. And we have articles from uh, Dobson and from others that are in this magazine. I have an article in here called Fisher of Pe Fishers of People. Um, you can, I think I probably only have 50. I didn't bring very many. But I, that's going to go really quick. Um, but I, I just wanted to bring some, wanted to bring some. So if you have a chance to go to that. Today, I want to talk to you about something that's really passionate in my heart. 
I'm not a very passionate person. <laughs> you could tell I was lying, huh? It's just like, I repent, I repent. It's a lie. It's a lie. I don't know how to be passionless. You know, God infuses all of us with passion. Today, I want to talk to you about being flint-faced. Flint-faced. If you look at the scripture in Luke chapter 9, will you read there? Let's read the verse. Let's read it together. Someone say flint-faced. Now, look at this. It says, and it came to pass when, it, when the time was come that he should be received up, and he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem and, and sent messengers before his face. Someone say before his face. Now, this is interesting because you need to know he was, he was, he set his face and he set his face to go somewhere. And as he set his face to go somewhere, he sent messengers ahead. The word messenger there in the Greek is the same word that's used for angel. He sent angels or messengers ahead of his face, not just ahead of his arrival, ahead of his face. And as the messengers go into the city, let's look here. It says in verse, to ready it for him, in verse 53, and the messengers went before his face, 52, and they, verse 50, and they did not receive him, this is in Samaria, because his face was as though he would go to Jerusalem. Now, this is important that you get this, is that we have to learn to set our face to where we're going, to what we're going to live in. And if you find yourself in the midst of, in this flint-faced moment where people reject you and what you set your passions on and what you set your desires on, if they reject you, it's because you're looking past them. Has anyone been rejected in this room? I feel like you guys are lying to me. There's a lot of you that have been rejected. And we need to know that rejection doesn't, shouldn't stop you from your Jerusalem. Jesus was rejected on the way to Jerusalem. And if you've ever been rejected, you should know it's just on the way to something. It's not your identity. You don't sit there and, and camp at the rejection. You get flint-faced. Now, the reason I'm using the word flint when it says set your face in Isaiah 50, it says that it says the same kind of word. It says that there was, that, that God's face would be flint, like flint. Some say flint. Now, I, I don't know a lot about Flint, but I've watched some, some camping shows. <laughs> Bear Grylls. And, and I've watched these guys take some, I don't know much about it myself. I'm not into that. My camping is hotels. <laughs> the more stars, the better camping. <laughs> That's why I'm just, you just, just got to be honest. It's like... I did tell some people, I've been, I've been to Idaho so many times, and every time someone's trying to take me camping, they're trying to take me hunting. I said, I'm a black guy. <laughs> you get me too deep out there, I may not look like a human, and I may look like a bear. Oh, we'll put something shiny and bright on you. I said, that's not enough. You can give me all the glow-in-the-dark looking stuff you want. I'm not getting out there. I said, there's only one person in the world I would ever go... I would ever go hunting with, and I probably would never, ever, ever go with him. But if I trusted anyone, I would go with him. I would go with him. Because I know he's shooting anybody that shot me. So, and then, and then he could resurrect me because he has that kind of faith. So praise the Lord.
I'm just, I, I, this is me, he's honest. So, but I know something about flint. Flint is this hard stone material that if you, if it's, it's, it's hard for the sake of bumping against. And when you strike against it, it kicks off sparks. And so when it kicks off sparks, it's destined to start a fire. It's actually the reason you would have flint is for the sake of sharpening something or, or starting a fire, igniting something. And so when Jesus is saying, I am, I am setting my face, you immediately have to pull in Isaiah 50, which is, I am setting my face like flint. Here in Isaiah, here in, in Luke, it says, I am steadfastly. Steadfastly is the same as flint. And what he's saying is, I'm getting a hard face, and my hard face is to be bumped against, and you should strike against it too and have the same kind of passion I'm about to walk in. That your face should be flint towards something, and when someone gets around you, they should get on fire too. You should, you should cause people around you to burn, to get on fire. So I began to just study this thought process, and a flint face, and I thought to myself, there is not a good word that's in the English vocabulary that describes it. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit spoke something to me. He spoke this word that I think is almost another taboo word. I, I like words that are taboo. Well, not those kinds of words you're thinking about. I like words that are like ambition. That's not a Christian word. That's an illegal word. But this word that the Lord spoke to me, and he spoke to me, and he spoke to me, he says, this is the season I want people to be obsessed. I want my church to have obsession. Obsession. I started to think about the word obsession. And we need to understand that obsession, obsession means to be so focused and so driven and so, so into something. That your full body, soul, and spirit, being, everything is driven to accomplish it, to see it, to be it. And what Jesus was being described as, as he was being described as a person that was obsessed. I know you, got, you just got quiet on me. Just, he's, he was obsessed to get to Jerusalem. And I know you don't want to see God as, a, as an obsessed person. But let me ask you a couple of questions. If, if, if you found out that I was coming to your house... And I was taking hair out of your hairbrush, counting it, keeping track of it. And every time you turned over in your bed and a little bit of hair got stuck on a pillow, I came in and grabbed it. <laughs> and I'm counting every hair that you've lost and every hair in your head. What would you call me? Okay, if, 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 you, if, if, you, if, you, if you don't think God is obsessed, what would you think if you came to my office and all of a sudden you walk into my office and you saw on my, on my, on my book stand a little vase with your name on it? And in it, it says the tears of. See, we are not like God. Because we are scared to be obsessed. He, you would say, Tracy, why are you keeping my tears in a jar? Are you obsessed with me? And you need to understand that God is absolutely obsessed with what he's focused on. 
And I know, I love this message because God is going to mess up all religion. God wants you to be like him. Be like me, he says. Okay, well, okay, I'm still pushing it. I, I can see that, I can see that. Okay, here's Jesus. He is 12 years old. He's in Jerusalem. They're there every single year doing this. He decides this year, I'm going to go and talk to the priest. And he's so into what he's talking about and what he's doing that he doesn't even recognize that his family left. He doesn't know how many days have passed. Where is he sleeping? Or is he sleeping? Where is he eating? Who's feeding him? Is he eating? He is completely obsessed with something. When his parents come to him and said, what are you doing? He said, you should have known. Is there anyone here with me? I don't want to just yell at myself here. Is there anyone here? He, he said, you should have known that I would be about my father's business. You should have known that I would stay up all night talking about it. I would be up all night dreaming about it. I would find out who would talk to me and who would stay with me and who would listen to me. I'm just about my father's business. And what the Lord's looking for in this house, in this city, in this territory is who's willing to be obsessed with something, give themselves to something. Because God works with obsession. The word obsession comes from the Latin, and it's the word obsio. And obsio means this, that I am going to barricade something. I'm going to blockade something. It's not really about what you are trying to ob obtain. It's about what you're trying to keep out. I'm keeping this so protected that I'm keeping everything out. If I can get a young people, a generation of young people that were obsessed about something, then I can keep all of this stuff out. We're trying to get them to let go of stuff. But if I can get you obsessed about it, then you won't need to let go of stuff. I, I, I'm too busy focusing to be distracted. An obsessed person is not easily distracted. A person who has, who has something beaten in their heart, dreaming, they're, they're believing for something, they're hoping for something, you're not easily distracted. It's amazing. Can you imagine Jesus? He has to go to Jerusalem, and, and all of a sudden, they're, they're like, hey, here we are, Samaritans. He's like, yeah, I see you. He's looking around them. Obsession. We need to have obsession. We need to give permission. This is what I realized when I got saved, that obsession was stolen from me. Because I was obsessed with dancing. I was obsessed with entertainment. I was obsessed with media. I was obsessed with creativity. When, I, when, I, when the Lord said, I want you to preach, I said, I don't want to preach. I said, I want to be an actor. I want to go to Hollywood. I want to do. He says, just mix it into what you do. Because he knew I was obsessed with it. I would fight him over. He says, use it. And I know people who get saved and they're told, no longer use that. Stop using that, that thing that you're obsessed with. Stop using that. And come over here and be boring. I mean, 
and if I can, if I have one mandate this year, and hopefully for the rest of my life, is to give you permission to stop being boring, to get up and do something with your life, to get up and make something happen, and be completely obsessed with it, and to a point that you can't sleep, you can't eat. I don't want to think about anything else. I don't want to talk about anything else. I just want to get up and go. I've been, I've been studying just some incredible things that have been going on in the earth. And I realized, you know, people that, only people that we study history, whether it's Jesus or whether it's Moses or whether who, they were all obsessed. We, we only study obsessed people. We don't study people who lived mediocre and had hesitation. Can I tell you, hesitation is the stranglehold of obsession. You Christians are the most hesitant people I know. People are wondering, why is the, why is the world getting things done? Because they don't have to hesitate. They make a decision and they do it. We have to go through 14 decisions. And by number two, we're, d- we're done trying to think about it. You've got to have something beating in your heart. Every time I look at you, this is what I see. I see God's going to give you something. He's going to give you a new discovery. I don't know what it is. I don't know. I haven't told you about it because I don't know what it is. But you're going you're gonna to mix and mingle with stuff in such a way that you're going to go, aha. There's an aha coming to you. And it's a new discovery. See, because I'm, I'm studying, I'm studying Albert Einstein, and he is sitting around and he's obsessed with, with the mystery of the universe. He's trying to figure it out. He's obsessed. He's driven by it. It, it, just, it just moves in his mind and it moves in his heart. And then finally he goes, there is, there is a theory that I want to release, a theory of relativity. And it only comes because he is obsessed with it. Talks about it thinks about it. Thomas Edison was obsessed with solutions. Moses was obsessed with the presence of God. What are you obsessed with? Jesus was obsessed with his father's business. You guys are very quiet this morning. What are you obsessed with? I find that Christians are afraid to be obsessed. They think it's like a dirty thing. But I want you to know, it's the only way we're going to be and do Christ on the earth. Christ was not passive in any way. He was completely obsessed, completely, completely, absolutely barricaded everything, besieged everything for the sake of something. You don't know what you're willing to let go of until you get something that you're willing to fight for. In such a way that you're saying, I'll let go of this, 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 and this. I will barricade this idea. We need that in the church. We need that in the church. We need it. Absolutely. Jesus said this. Because as I'm, as I'm going through this, I'm thinking... Lord, there, there's, there's a danger here. There's a danger. There's a danger to saying to people, be obsessed. 
And he said, obsession has standards. When you choose to be obsessed, you set standards. And this is how Jesus set the standards of his obsession. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me too. The rest is the standard. What has the spirit of the Lord anointed you to? Whatever that is, if you're not on that, if you're not in that, if you're not breathing that, if you're not living that, if you're not focused on that, you are not obsessed. See, I know people who are unsaved and they're obsessed, but I know when I meet with them and I talk with them, I know that what they're into, they're made to do because they didn't need permission to do it. My, my father-in-law was, was going to be the next Van Gogh of Holland. They, his teachers told him when he got saved, his obsession for art, his teachers told him, you're an artist, the greatest, you're the next Van Gogh of Holland. The preacher said, it's of the devil. Get rid of it. It's a false God. How can you take the gift of God? How can you take the gift of God and put a label on it because it doesn't work in your small framework? I'm telling you the church is about to expand in a new level. I can't prophesy the same as I used to because my mind goes in realms of reaching governments and reaching territories and changing the world. Places that that the church doesn't want to talk about. We are stuck. Stuck. Thinking that we have to pretend not to have the passion that's really beating in our heart. And we have to pretend to be what the church will accept. And then we're supposed to reach the world with a half beating heart. How can we do that? The spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me too. Whatever that is, to preach the gospel of the poor, to heal them, whatever yours is. You can't reveal Jesus to this earth if you're not beating with that passion. So I asked the Lord, what is the equation of obsession? He gave me an equation. I like that. C squared plus SC equals P squared. It's the equation of obsession. You guys don't. You guys. Isn't that fun? Translate? Okay, that's thank you. <laughs> C-square is your curiosity and creativity. If you're never curious, you'll never be creative. Your curiosity. Wonder what would happen if. Wonder why that works. Wonder why that doesn't work. Wonder what that is. Wonder why no one's talking about that. Wonder why no one does it like that. 
your curiosity. Taps you into creativity. That's the, the C square. The C square is a is the formula. It's the it's the ingredient of what I call the maker's ingredient. The makers. I'm gonna I'm gonna make something. Curious and creativity makes things. Right? You have to be curious. So curious that it doesn't allow you to sleep. We went to visit Thomas Jefferson's house, found out that he slept under his desk two hours at a time. Two hours, wakes up and work. Two hours, wake up and work. He couldn't, he couldn't sleep because he was so curious. Are you curious about anything? Am I talking to the right people? Are, are you feeling permission or what? Where are we at here? I want you to get this because it's important that you understand that God wants you to be curious. I, I realize in the church, we don't, we don't want people to be curious because that means I got to know more. <laughs> I mean, I first asked my pastor, I said, you know, I'm reading the book of Acts. I'm reading, you know, this New Testament. I'm reading this and I'm just news and saved. I see miracles happening in there. How come we don't see miracles in the church? He goes, ah, oh, don't, don't, there's some questions you just shouldn't ask. <laughs> how many of you know that's not how you see miracles. You know how you see miracles? You have to ask some questions about it. And if no one wants to answer, you got to go and be creative yourself. You've got to get out there and try to figure it out yourself. You got to try to figure. And we've come to this world, this world, this world. Don't buy into this new found easy access to success, which is formulation. Just because you can formulate someone else's success and get money doesn't mean it's your success. God wants us to come back to curiosity. Discovery. Investigating until... Aha. Uh -huh. SC. This is the next... I'm going to go back to the, the C squared for a second. Do you, know, do you know that Charles Dickens, how many of you know Charles Dickens? He's, how many of you at Christmas time, you, you watched the Charles Dickens, you read? It's, you know, Scrooge. Oh, Bahamba. What is it called, the Christmas story? Christmas Carol, thank you. I was thinking of people licking the, that's all different. Do you know he was so obsessed with storytelling and figuring out characters and trying to figure out how people think that he would get up in the middle of the night and he would walk, they found him walking 20 miles a night thinking about a certain character. Completely obsessed. Completely, 20 miles through London thinking. And then along his walk, he would see certain individuals and he would end up going, that's what they're like, and writing them in his stories. Some of you are trying to figure out why you're so strange. <laughs> What's wrong with me? And you're hiding you the fact that you're obsessed with this thing. And you want to pretend like it's because it's not normal. It keeps you up. It's, it's not supposed to be normal. Stop trying to be normal. It is the curse. 
you know, do you know that, do you know when the Bible says the life of the flesh, living in the flesh, you know what living in the flesh is, is living in the flesh is being normal. You're not made to be normal. You're not created to be normal. Man, I can, I just saw it in you. I just saw, I looked straight down into your soul and saw you like, <laughs> I've been waiting for this all my life. Tell me, tell me I can go. Tell me, I, tell me I can run. Tell me I can run. I can do it. I can do it. I can. I just said, she's like, and she probably never looks at Flint face before, but I'm like, I just got sparked right there looking at her. You have to allow your creativity and your curiosity in the standard. Be, be set free. Let it work. Amen? Amen? Then you have to work on it and work on it, and that's going to become your, your skill and your craft. You have to work on your skill and your craft. We cannot produce inferior product anymore. And just put the Christian label on it. I mean, we, we, we cannot produce inferior product anymore. We have the creator of all the earth inside of us. And you know why we produce inferior is because we're not willing to pay the price in skill and craft. That's what makes it work. Well, I'm not good at it right now. It's not about what you're good at right now. It's about are you willing to pay the price? to get it pay the price but it's all up to God that's the problem it's not all up to God I, I don't want you doing this anymore oh that was great that was a great oh that praise the Lord it was Jesus no it wasn't Jesus sings so much better than that it was good but not perfect skill and craft at it. Do you know it's amazing? Because Michelangelo, you know, we know the story. He would look at marble and he would take his chisel and he would just start working. And, and he, what is he doing? He's breaking. That's the SC. It's a breaker's anointing. The anointing to break laws. You and I need to break rules to get to where we need to go. Not rules against God's laws, not rules against man's laws, but we need to come up with new rules. See, some of you are trying to live by rules that your parents put on you that limit you. Rules that the church put on you that limit you. Is that all right? I'm going to speed this up. Is that all right? He's chiseling away. Do you know that the reason he, start, he loved working with, with stone is because at, when his mother was pregnant with him at three months old, she fell off a horse. She fell off a horse she was pregnant with him. She gave birth and couldn't take care of him. Sent him away to a, a, a wet nurse in the mountains. In, in between the mountains, there was a quarry. And the, and the mother, the, the wet nurse, is nursing him there. And her husband is a stone worker. He works in the quarry. And so he grew up in an alternate circumstance watching how they worked with it and he saw images in the marble as they're working with it do you know some of the things that are your pain are the very reason you can break a rule God wants to use you 
he became obsessed with marble as he saw his dad just just chipping out blocks not actually creating any form in but he saw the form is it are you are you struggling with the fact that you see what something can become but you don't feel permission Michelangelo became obsessed with the fact that hard things can become beautiful. Can you take raw material? Do you know the anointing of the, the Messiah? The, you know what the messianic anointing is? Is that the Messiah will control material. That's why he comes riding on a donkey because the word donkey in Hebrew is material. He rules and reigns and controls material. That's why when he wanted to, his mom wanted something else to happen, some more wine to be brought into the house, into the party. She said, Jesus, take care of it. He didn't want to go to the store. He says, get me those water pots that people have been washing their feet and their hands in. He's changing and breaking a rule. They, that, that was a disgusting water pot. No one should be drinking of it. Go get those. Fill it with water. He's breaking a rule to see a miracle. The guy comes and gets the, he just says, fill it up with water. He fills it up with water. He sees, you know, the scum level rise to the top and he says, now let the master of the ceremony drink of it. And he goes, he goes, I'm not doing it. I'm going to say Jesus did it. Master of the ceremony dips in and as soon as it comes up, the guy is shocked to see that wine is coming out of what he filled with water and the scum level is gone. Can I tell you, God wants someone who will become a master of material that will take rule over raw things and make it into beautiful. Someone that will take a hold of something that doesn't look like it's going to work and make it work. Someone that will take a raw life and make it powerful. But pastor, you don't know what I've been through. You don't know what I come from. You don't know the life I live. Can I tell you, that's the anointing of the Messiah to take something that is nothing, something that is worthless. Break a rule with you and make you something beautiful. That's the breaker. And the final part, the performer, that's the performer in profession. That's where that precision comes. You have to know that you're called to be a performer in it. God wants people to see you prosper. Man of God, I don't know how often you come to church. You're sitting in the back in the blue there. I don't know how often you come. I don't know how connected you are. But this message is for you. You sitting there looking sharp. Yeah, you in the nice sharp blazer. This is for you. I give you permission to be who God's called you to be. The thing you dream about. I know you don't know me. You're like, I don't need your permission. But can I tell you, you have permission to be powerful. You've never wanted to be weak. You hate weakness. And that's the only reason church has bothered you is you thought church was weak. But can I tell you, church is not weak and you're not weak and God is powerful and you're powerful and God has destined you from the beginning of time. He had his eye on you and he's looked for you and he has big plans for your life. You are anointed to prosper. Business is on your life. Your business plans are going to be successful and your ideas are going to come to pass. Inventive thoughts are going to chase you down until you 
you do something that you're going to look at and you go, there's no way I could have done this by myself. You're breaking a curse off of your family. You are breaking a curse. The curse of poverty is being broken off of your family. Go for it. If I never see you again, if you never look at this sweaty, sweaty, sweaty black man, May something burn in your heart. May you see my face like flint and may you chip off of it. And may you get a spark in your heart and say, I'm going to do something with my life. And it's going to make my father proud. It's going to make my children proud. I'm going to do something amazing with my life. I'm out of time. Professional. You have to be okay with performing Christians don't like to perform they think it's fake can I tell you performing is spiritual when you can take something raw and make it to where everyone wants to come and see it and give people a moment from your exercising and practicing every day that is spiritual when Jesus says me taking bread taking a rock and making it bread I could do that the devil knew he could do it for him to take something and make it beautiful that was spiritual I want you to know you taking raw material and forming it into something amazing is spiritual you taking a little dance step and more and morphing it into something that people want to watch it's spiritual we need to stop thinking spiritual is only speaking in tongues I love movie making. It's a passion. Because I know what it's like to have a moment. I was six years old watching a movie by myself in a seven-day Adventist house. And, and I saw through a movie Jesus. And as I was in that room by myself, the presence of the Lord came upon my life. And I said, God, don't let me miss what you have for the last days. I was not a Christian. I was watching a movie. And God arrested me. We are so stuck. I'm here to unstick you. I'm here to say be passionate. I'm here to say be obsessed with the call and the will and the purpose of God. I'm here to tell you to run at the wall and stop hesitating. Run at the wall. You notice if you run towards the wall, you start to pull back because you don't think the wall is going to break. You think the wall is more powerful than you. I'm telling you as a generation, run at the wall. Run full force at it. Break that wall. Break through to another level. You too, break through to another level. I don't know why I saw you today going to Australia and I saw the hand of God on you both moving, not living there, but moving and interacting in Australia and some kind of activity that God's going to do in a, a youth revival that you're a part of. I don't know why, but I know a lot of friends that would like you. I just say that. Is there anyone that you feel like there's something happening to your face right now? You're getting a little... F is there anyone you're feeling like your face is getting a little more... No? Okay. Well, I did my best. Is there anyone that you feel like you, feel like you have a Jerusalem here? 
you have some place that God's telling you to go and something that God's telling you to do. If you don't know and you want to know, how many of you would put your hand up and say, I don't know, but I want to know. Can I tell you, don't live this life without obsession. Don't live it. You'll be obsessed with other things. And if you have an obsession that doesn't have a standard, it's called perversion. Your obsession must have a standard to it. I'll finish with this thought. Oh, Lord. Michelangelo is obsessed with creating out of marble biblical imagery. I mean, just obsessed with it. He was overwhelmed with it. There was a preacher in his day that just would, his, his sermons would just ring in Michelangelo's ears. This preacher was obsessed with the righteousness of God and he would preach. He's preaching in the most defiled territory and he's getting the heart and the mind of Michelangelo every time he's preached. And even when this person had passed on, Michelangelo says, when, I, when I'm working, I hear his preaching, his sermons ringing in my spirit, ringing in my heart. At one point he was struggling with perversions, but that preacher kept coming through. I hope I'm that kind of preacher. And all of a sudden he said, God, I let go of all of that. And one day he took this piece of marble, this raw piece of material, how many of you feel like a raw piece of material? Let me just see if I'm talking to anyone. He took this raw piece of material, took a chisel, took a hammer, and he started working on it. And he saw Moses sitting in there, and he chiseled away until Moses came completely, and he scraped away and sanded away, and he worked away until Moses was sitting there stately. And he looked at him, and he, he'd worked so hard to pull the soul of Moses out of this piece of rock that he took a hammer, and he commanded him to speak and hit him on the knee. Can you be so, so, so obsessed to see something? I don't want God to waste the tears that he has collected for me. I don't want God to waste the hair that he's counting for me. I don't want him to be more obsessed than I'm obsessed with what he wants me to do. I want to live this life and I want to finish it and I want my fingerprints all over this world and I don't want to just have my fingerprints in a church. I want to touch this world. I want to be like that little kid. You put him in a room and he's just barely able to crawl and he's licking everything. Putting everything in his mouth. Take it out. They're fighting for you for garbage. You know, I want to be that one. It's like... Anyone join me? Anyone want to join me? Anyone? Is there anyone? Just stand on your feet if you want to join me. I got to let you go. Tonight we're going to have signs, wonders, and miracles. I don't have time for that right now. Pastor Charlie, I don't know if we have time for that. But I want, I want to just, I want to release this in your heart. Can this be a miracle that your dream is coming alive? Can this be a miracle that your hope is coming alive? Can this be a miracle that your purpose is coming alive? Come on, let's get a hold of God. God has a plan for our lives. Come on, let's just pray for a moment. Father, the Spirit of the Lord is on me. Come on, say it. The Spirit of the Lord is on me. Come on, say it. The Spirit of the Lord is on me. The Spirit of the Lord is on me.
Come on, some of you are going back to your childhood where people said things over you, and from that day, you refused to do it again. Some of you are going to have some things awaken right now. Come on, just give me three, four more minutes. Some things that people proclaimed over you, said you'd never be any good. Do you know my teacher, my English teacher said, you will never be worth anything. You better be funny or good looking. That's what they told me. I said, well, I have one of them down. I'm working on good looking. No. <laughs> and, and she said, and I remember when I had, when God said, I want you to write a book, I thought my first thing that came to me was that teacher that told me I could never do anything. That English teacher. That was the first person that came to me. When God says, I want you to write. And I said, but God, so you may know what your passion is. You may know what God's asking you to do by how you're arguing. But God, do you know what my English teacher told me? But I know what I'm telling you to do. No, but God, my English teacher told me I would never write a book. And as I wrote that book, she became the fuel. Come on, can, does anyone have fuel in this room? Does anyone have someone that, or something that told you that you could not do it? Does anyone have fuel in this place? Something that said you cannot accomplish, you will not accomplish. I want you to make that your fuel. As I'm working on my seventh book, My third book, my third book was a bestseller. As I'm working on this, this one, I'm, I'm, I'm still thinking of her. She's still my fuel. Because this one's going to hit New York Times bestselling. On the top 100. Well, what if it doesn't? I have another book. What if that one doesn't? I have another one. I'll keep on writing. One of them's gonna hit it, and I'm gonna find her. Signed copy. Thank you for helping me tap into my obsession by telling me that I couldn't. Thank you for helping me find who I was and what I could do by telling me that I couldn't do. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for being the fuel for my purpose and the fuel for my destiny. Come on, if you believe God has an obsession for you, let's give the Lord a big clap and a shout. I tell you what, that formula reminded me so much of a dude in the Bible. This young man, probably about 15 years old, goes to take out some food to the generals and his brothers. He gets there, and all of a sudden, there's a big nine-foot-nine jungle-breath Goliath out in the middle of the valley. You have one army on one side and another army on the other side, and David's like, what's going on here? I mean, this jungle breath Goliath is just intimidating the, the, the army of Israel. And David looks. He, his brother fuels him on. 
His brother, Eliab, his oldest brother, I know why you're out here. You come out here to see the battle. And David goes, is there not a cause? Yes. Yes. Come on, feel it. Is there not a cause? Yes. Yes. And then the, the king comes to him and says, but you're just a youth. He's a, he's a warrior of all. You're, you're just a youth. Just keep feeling it. And then jungle breath, Goliath comes to him and says, hey, I'm going to feed your, your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the ground. And David, you know what David does? He runs at Goliath. He takes five smooth stone and he sings, we will, we will rock you. He doesn't even have a sword. He knocks the dude out, takes the man's sword, cuts his head off and go ahead and fuel me up. Fuel me up. Amen. Wow, that was, that was an absolutely profound message. Well, I, I hope that gives you the courage to be who God's called you to be. It gave me, to, it gave me the, the permission just to even more, be more strange than I am. I will, I will be even more undignified than this. It's all like Donkey Kong. I mean, I'm telling you, did you not hear that? That's not just for me. That's for you. Amen. Tonight, Charlie Sweet, tonight, Charlie Sweet all taken up in the spirit right there. <laughs> wow. You want to say anything else? You want to say anything else, Charlie Sweet? It's going to be powerful, dude. Whatever words you have, can you hold on to it tonight? You good? You sure? If not, let's let it go. One word? Okay. One word right here. <laughs> You're under a different pastor. Do you know our pastor? Yes, I do. Do you think it would be okay to release the word? We don't think he's pastor at Anthem. Do you think it's okay to release the word? Let me ask. Be okay? Anthem. I think the pastor is a really, really sweet guy. Pastor Chris. If he has a problem with it, calm him. First Samuel 2.1 is the most amazing story about a woman named Hannah. And I kept looking at you and looking at you, and the Lord said, the spirit of Hannah is all over you. And it says in First Samuel 2.1, Hannah prayed and said, my heart rejoices in the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord. I smile at my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. Hannah had a real handle on lordship, what it meant to be under the Lord and to be submitted. And she also had an incredible handle on the word of God. 
she was in the Word of God, Word of God because you know, people were kind of coming at her, but she didn't get deterred. But the most important thing Hannah had, she understood where her strength comes from. I'm telling you about the Spirit of God. Would you put your hand on her heart, please? I don't know what's been going on in your life, but you're rising up out of the ashes. And the Spirit of Hannah is upon you. And God is going to use you mightily. There's been words spoken about you, and, you know, and they've been misread and everything, just like Hannah. You know, that she must have been drunk and all this other kind of stuff. But God is your vindicator. And today, I don't feel it's an accident that you're sitting here. You know, I've gotten words in other churches, and I'm careful with this. But today, God brought you right here because he's mending your heart right now. And he's giving you the strength with what Pastor Tracy just preached to be a prayer warrior, to be an intercessor. The first one you're going to be that prayer warrior for, an intercessor, is you. Because God is going to strengthen you. And you're going to fly. If you don't have that message, you need to, you're going to soar where eagles soar. Do you know when an eagle is soaring, they have to flap their wings until they get to a certain point. But when they're soaring, it requires no energy out of them. You're still flapping, but you're going to get to where the eagles soar. The spirit of Hannah is going to overtake you. You're going to be in prayer. You're going to read the word like you've never read before, but you're going to keep a good heart. And I want to say this to you, and forgiveness has got to flow from your heart. You've you got to let it go, honey. You know, forgiveness means to completely let go of it. And when you do, the flood of the Spirit is going to come upon you. And that's when you're going to start to soar. As hard as it is, as difficult as it is, as much as your heart has been broken, God says, if you submit it to me, you're going to soar. And you're going to help unlock other people that are stuck and they can't get anywhere. It's going to be through your intercession. It's going to be through your words that's going to set them free. I don't know if it's for you, but just stand here just in case it is. I don't know if this is for you. I, I feel like someone who's a dancer whose ankles need to be strengthened. Is there someone who's a dancer whose ankles need to be strengthened? Is that you back there? Father, just someone around her, put your hands on her. Anyone else that's a dancer, your ankles need to be strengthened. I just feel like I release life on you, strength on you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. 